I wanted to do a, a talk today about um, how we grow, and I got thinking about all the kids, and I was watching all the activity this past week, and um, growing is such an important part of our life, and such an important part of the uh, the story in the scriptures that I thought, let's just uh, do a, a talk about that today. So if I can, I want to read a couple of scriptures, and then... Um, uh, we'll, we'll go from there, but let me start. This is um, this is the beginning of Luke's gospel, and it's after you have John the Baptist, and then you have Jesus, and it says, uh, after a short period of time, it says, and the child grew and became strong, and it was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And here's what I want you to note: was that he grew, and. Growing is a part of all of our experience in life, and oftentimes what's happened over the years in especially modern-day Christianity is people emphasize so much the, the divinity of Christ that they miss the humanity of Christ. So, you know, we talk about fully God and fully human, right? Um, but what we often underplay or under-discuss under is Jesus' humanity, that he was a young boy. He had all the human thoughts and feelings and everything that you and I have, um, but he grew. He grew, and as we grow, we let go of one thing, and then we take on another. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. When I was a child, I talked like a child, right? I thought like anybody ever talked to your kids in baby talk, right? You gotta, they talk a certain way, they think a certain way, they reason a certain way. He said, "Then when I became a man, I put the what childhood behind me." Okay. Now, what we know here's a couple things that we know: um, growing is a lifelong journey. So you don't stop growing when you. Uh, become a man. You don't stop growing when you physically stop growing. You grow in other ways, right? You learn, you adapt, you change. And so growing is this ongoing process that all of us go through. Paul wrote in Philippians, he said, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I'm pressing on to become, to become that for which Christ took a hold of me. So he's recalling the time when Christ kind of grabbed hold of him. And he said, now my focus is on becoming the person that he wants me to become. So here's the thing I want to say about growing and changing. First of all, it's this. All growing, real growing, is good. It's good to grow. It, it, and can I just say that the opposite? It's not good to not grow. It's not good when you or I stay stuck as the same person. How many of you have ever looked back at your high school picture, the way you dressed or the way you, and just thought, what was I, anybody, what was I thinking back? Huh? Anybody? Look back at your high and, you, you know, some of you have a sense of humor about yourself. You can laugh it off and think, no, I was just with the times and everything. But sometimes it's not just the way we dress, but how about this? You can look back at the way that you thought about things. And you go, wow, wow, why and how in the world did I think that way? 
Now, here's the other thing you have to take into consideration. Tomorrow or next week or next year, you might think differently than you do what today. In other words, we're all in this process of growing, changing, and sort of becoming. The other thing is not only good, but it's natural. It's human to grow. It's just what we do. Just like we grow physically, we grow spiritually, and we become more of what God intended us to be if we are listening and sort of tuning in to his spirit. So it's human to grow. Now, some of us in the area of growing, we take two extremes. Um, One extreme is I don't want to grow. I want to stay where I'm at. I want to hunker down. I want to um, be who I am. I don't want to learn anymore. I don't want to know anymore. I'm content. I just want to be me. And we dig in. That's a really difficult and I would almost say dangerous position. The other thing people do on the far extreme is they eye perfectionism, right? Um, how many perfectionists do we have here in the room today? Perfectionists that will admit it? That will admit it. There you go. You know who you are, right? Like somebody comes over to your house and they, and they set their drink down somewhere and you just, the handle's in the wrong spot and you're just, they're trying to, you can't look at them because they put the handle in the wrong spot and you just want to turn the handle, right? You, do you know who you are? You prefer, okay. So, but this is what I've learned. All of us have an element of perfectionism in us. So, the perf- you're, you're, this is a prison in itself. This is a prison. But what's healthy in the middle is this, that you're always growing, that you're always learning, and that you're always changing. You're putting childish ways behind you. Yesterday, um, we had our family reunion. Um, my grandma was there. She went for the annual boat ride again. She said, I don't know if I'm going to go this year, Chris. And I said, Graham, I really think you should go, Right. So she's 94 now, and, uh, and I told her I would put the boat on the hoist so it wasn't rocking when she stepped on it, and I talked her into it, right? And, and so we were out for a boat ride. I'm taking Graham around, and one of the little cousins, he's about five years old, um, hadn't spent much time on the water, um, and so I asked him if he wanted to go on the tube, and, and he didn't know what the tube was, or he was a little nervous, so I just, we put the boat in park, and we got him on the tube, and we just had it right next to the boat, and then, you know, sneaky that I am, then I just told him to put it in gear a little bit, and then you take them tubing without knowing they're tubing. How many know what I'm talking about? This is how you teach kids to tube. You take them tubing without telling them they're tubing, right? You just say, you want to sit on this thing? It's real nice, and then you put the boat in gear, right? And then you let a little more... I can teach you things. You let a little more rope out, a little more, and you go a little faster. And, and the next thing you know, he's got a big smile on his face because he's experiencing something new, right? And then I would say, do you want to go a little faster? And he'd go, big grin. He'd go, yeah, I want to go a little fast." So he's going a little bit faster. And at one point, he was trying to tell his dad, he was trying to show his dad that he was brave. You know what I mean? You've seen this with little boys? And he goes, Daddy, you want me to jump off? Do you want me to jump off? And the dad's like, ah, my cousin, he's like, ah, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if you should. He was trying to say, I can, you know. And I, I didn't know what to do. And he, next thing you know, he just lets go of the tube. He jumps off. He's never even been tubing before, right? And he was kind of happy and then kind of panicked, right? And then he was happy for a minute. And then 
uh, you know, the boat stopped, kept going, but the further the boat got away from him, the more he turned from joy to panic. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, he started crying, right? And he starts paddling. He was fine, but it was, it was the perception that the boat was leaving him, right? That we, he was all, what? He was all alone. And what he didn't know is the boat coasted a little bit, and we had to turn around, and we really weren't that far away. But in his mind, we were just leaving him out in the... By the way, he asked me if there were sharks in there right before that. Yeah, it's a true story. So whatever's going on in his mind, right, he's thinking, they're leaving me, and sharks are coming, and try to reassure him there were no sharks in Wald Lake, but he wasn't sure. And Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like it. Isn't it amazing to think that you would think there are sharks in Walt Lake? It's amazing to think that you could think that way. But that's how, what? A child thinks. So leaving and going from childhood to adulthood is this traumatic experience. And one of the things that happens for us to grow is we have to leave certain things behind leaving, letting go of certain things. How many here have a hard time letting go of certain things, old things? How many still have your varsity jacket in your closet? Your thing, your, your, your wedding dress, your thing, all these things you're holding, holding on to, thinking, these are the things... Oh, so many ladies were like, you shouldn't have went there with the wedding dress. You shouldn't have... I know, I know. Someday you're going to do something with it, I know. So... Oops. All right. Get off of that side. So here's the thing. Ready? Letting go. We have a hard time. We have a hard time leaving certain patterns, certain ways of thinking, and all of that behind us. But think about this. Are you kind of glad you don't believe there's sharks in Wild Lake today? In other words, it's good, it's good to grow. It's good to leave certain things behind. But here's the thing I want to I focus on when we talk about growing today. When you grow a little bit, this is so important. When you grow a little bit, you look back at how you used to think or how you used to be, and you look back with sort of a disdain. Like, I can't believe that I used to think this or do this, or other people that used to think the way you did. You look at them and they go, yeah, but you're missing it. You get a little frustrated. When you've grown a lot, this is important, when you've grown a lot, you look back and you think it's cute. In other words, all the adults on the boat, all the adults looked back, right? My little cousin, Sean, who's on the tube, and they thought it was so what? It was so cute. It was cute. Even, I mean, even though we jumped in and helped him, it was cute. They was scared. It was cute. He was talking about sharks. Everything was what? But what about somebody that's just a little bit older than him and can already tube now? What do they do? They go, that's not that hard. I can, anybody been here? That's not that hard. I can do that. And they look back on them with what? Disdain. They got to show them how little they know about life because they've only matured what? A little bit. Have you seen this in your family ever? You get two kids that are close in age. The adults can celebrate. The one that's just a year older just despises anything that the other one learns or succeeds at. Why? Because they haven't matured enough. Think with me. What Paul goes through in his journey is this. Paul the apostle thought he knew a lot. He thought he knew a lot because he was educated. 
because he was really good at his religion. He was Jewish, and he had kind of mastered it. And you can read through in, in Philippians chapter 3. You know, he's like, I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. I, I, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee. So think of it this way. Um, today, I have a lot of friends that are Jewish, and they explain to me that you have different levels and we'll get into the Christians later, but he was explaining to me, you have, you have conservative, right? You have progressive, you have orthodox, you have all these ranges. And um, so Paul, in his day, would have been, a Pharisee would have been ultra-orthodox. In other words, he would have taken, he was the Navy SEAL of the Jews, all right? And he took all the rules, all the restrictions, all the tough stuff. So he would have been the guy who go, oh man, I don't think I could do that. He did it, he did it, he did it. So when Paul's, this is important, in Paul's mind, he had arrived. He had arrived. He knew God. He knew the way the world worked. He knew how it was all supposed to be. He had arrived so much that now he spent time helping, I'll put in quotes, helping people who weren't with him, persecuting them, putting them down. You aren't doing it right. You aren't doing it well enough. And so much so that he ends up leading a band of people who end up stoning a guy for following this other way. This other teacher rabbi came along named Yeshua, who was from uh, the northern part of uh, Israel, Nazareth. And people started following him. And Paul said, no, you're missing it. You're going the wrong way. And he, he went out and he started to persecute these people. And one day... Paul's on his way to Damascus, and he gets this blinding light, and it literally blinds him for three days. I think it's significant in the story that Paul is blind. Why? Because Paul thought he could see, and God had to show him, you what? Really don't even see anything yet. How many have ever looked back at your life and, and said, man, I can't believe I used to think that. I can't believe I used to be that way. But at the time, you were fully convinced what? You knew. You were right. You had the... And so Paul gets this blinding light for three days. I think what God does sometimes is he has to blind us in order to what? Open our eyes to the next thing. The thing that you need to remember about growing is there's a couple of things that stop you from growing. And the first thing that stops you from growing is being defensive. Being defensive. Anybody ever get a little defensive? I'll put my hand up. I'll put my hand up. Anybody get defensive? Okay. You get defensive. Why? Because we want to believe we're right. We want to believe that we know. We want to believe that we have it, that we've figured it, right? And we get defensive when someone challenges that, someone questions it, and so we lock in, we lock down, and we hold our position. This week, um, there's a coach who's from Oklahoma State, I believe, and I, I don't, I'm not in enough to know his name or anything like that, but but if, you, if you're a heavy sports fan, you follow ESPN religiously, you know that 10 years ago, this guy just did an epic um, interview with the press, right? And I think his name is Gundy. I think his last name is Gundy. 
But he just goes on a rant. He goes on a rant against the reporters because the reporters, you know, they always come in if you lose and they just attack you and your players and everything about you. And he goes, he gets furious and he goes, hey, you don't know anything. And I should have played it. But he, he goes, I'm a man. Attack me. I'm a man. He's Southern too. I'm a man. And he's just laying into all these reporters. And he goes, I'm 40. I'm a man. So last week was like 10 years since the rant, right? And so they play it. And now he's 50. And they say, they do an interview now. They go, what do you think about that video? Anybody ever watch yourself? How many do not like to watch yourself on video or listen to yourself on tape? Okay, here we go. So not only that, but 10 years earlier. What he, and they said to him, this reporter said, what would you say to that 40-year-old version of you? We're only talking about 10 years. What would you say to that 40-year-old version of you? And this is what he said. This is great. He said, I would tell him to chill out a little bit. (laughs) I would tell him that everything's going to be okay. And it's not that big of a deal. Anybody ever get defensive? so defensive. He was so uptight. He was so sure he was right. I mean, could there be a grain of problem or truth in what they were saying? Yes, of course. But what he hadn't matured, he hadn't gotten to the point yet, right, where he could just let it, what? Just let it go. Just chill out. It'll work out. By Monday, they'll forget all about this game. He couldn't. It was too personal to him. Think It's too personal to him. He felt personally attacked. What do we do when we feel personally attacked? We dig in, we fight, we get defensive. But when we mature, when we mature, we can, what? Let it go. How many of you have ever been trying to settle a dispute with two young ones? And they can't let it go. And all you're trying to say to them is just let it go. And what? They can't. They have to defend. They have to keep going. They have to keep going. It's just because they haven't matured enough yet. If you're defensive, always contending, you're going to short-circuit and shortcut the growth that God wants to do in your life. Now, we look, after we've grown, we look back and like the coach did, um, and, and we just, sometimes we roll our eyes and we think, I can't believe I thought that way. But think about looking forward when you're young, when you're a child and you're growing. When you look forward, this is important, you look forward with fear. What was the little guy on the tube, what were his sensations? They're all fear. Growing, this is important, is always through fear through fear. Why do you start thinking like sharks? And you start thinking of all the what? Worst case scenarios, all the terrible ways this could go wrong because he's uncertain, all because he's never been on a piece of inflated inner tube and fabric in water. It's just a new experience and a new what? Sensation. Never had it before. If you've ever sat on a raft before, you just think, this is nothing. There's nothing to fear. There's no sharks. There's... The hindrance to growth 
the thing that you think about when you're going forward, when God's taking you to something new and better, is fear. Listen to me. People always make fear to be a bad thing, and I think if you live in fear, it is bad. But listen to me. When you're facing fear, it's an opportunity for you to grow. You can step into that fear. I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't know how they're going to treat me. I don't know if I'm going to be in control of this. I don't know. This isn't the way it was supposed to, right? All the fear things start to creep up. If you hold on and say, you know what? Because one thing I wasn't going to do, right? If this little guy didn't want to go, we weren't going to take him anyway. That's terrorism. Right? You don't terrorize five-year-olds. But you just nurture them, right? You just try to make it palatable for them. Here's the thing. God is sitting there if I may, with his hand on the throttle, waiting for the, what? I'm afraid. I'm not sure. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I want to go. I want to go to the future. I want to go into the next version of me. Question, honest question to ask yourself. Do you think there's a better version of you than what exists right now. If there is, I believe the answer is yes. Do you want that version? And if you want that version of you, are you willing to push through fear, to not worry about what's going to happen, to trust? You know, the little guy was in the lake and he was paddling like mad, and we bring the boat around, and you know, when he finally calmed down, when I took my glasses off, I try to remember to take my cell phone out these days, um, not always, cell phones and glasses in the bottom of the lake. When I got in the water and I what? I got a hold of him, Is he, then he was, he was fine, he was fine. When do we know we're fine? When we realize, when we realize that God is with us. Here's what I want to challenge all of us to do. I want to challenge all of us to realize that there is a still better version of us, no matter who you are, no matter what your age is. And I want to encourage you not to be defensive of even all the good things that you have learned to your life so far and say, I want to be open to the new and the next thing that God wants to teach me. And I know no matter what, that he will be with me. Here's the thing. You start to see things differently. You start to appreciate the people that are around you differently. You start to die to old ways of seeing things. Let me probe just a little, a little bit of uncomfortable for, for a couple minutes. Come on. You know, they say it's a pastor's job to make the comfortable people uncomfortable and the uncomfortable people comfortable, right? So some of you have been a little too cozy. The green chair has been too good to you this morning. So I'm going to just push a little bit. But one of the ways of thinking is black and white, in and out, Democrat and Republican, and we love to dig in our heels. I mean, the only time that that dichotomy really works is if it's Michigan and Ohio State. It's clear right and clear wrong. <laughs> Outside of that, 
outside of that, one of the things that as we mature, as we realize things aren't exactly that way. But that's the old way of seeing things. When I was growing up, some of you wouldn't believe this. I still have a picture of proof of it. I was a Spartan fan, a diehard Spartan fan. And guess, no, wait a minute. I know, I died to that, though. I died to that. Don't worry, I died to that. But here's the thing. Do you know why? Because my brother was a Michigan fan, right? Yeah. And, and my, brother was a, my brother was a Broncos fan, so I was a Cowboys fan, right? Whatever he picked, I picked the opposite, right? So we grow up with these ways of thinking, and then it's time for us to move past them. We've really underthought about how Jesus grew. Think about it. In your own understanding, when you try to think about Jesus, there's a range of the way people think about it. Some people think about it like Jesus was like seven years old and like doing magic tricks for the kids in the neighborhood, you know. Some people think that way. I don't. Some people do, you know. Uh, Some people think that, you know, maybe at a certain point, all of a sudden, all of the divinity was like supernaturally sucked into him. Like when he was baptized, it just all came on him. We don't really know, but what we do know is that he was always growing. It's actually actually a hard mental exercise to think about, yeah, how does it work when you're growing and you're fully God, but you're fully human? One of the great mysteries of all. What I was actually taught, and I still believe, is that he had to go through and actually learn. He had to learn Hebrew. He had to read what were his scriptures, what we would call the Old Testament. He had to actually go through and read them. He didn't get like a, you know, he'd sit around a class like, this is so boring. I already know all this stuff, right? And just get a divine download. No, this is important to think about because we're, we're talking about becoming like Christ, but that includes growing. It includes learning. That you don't look for these one-time things where all of a sudden you get zapped and downloaded, but Christ grew and he learned. Two keys. Openness. Openness. Um, which is, it's, it's, why is it a key? Because it's the opposite of being defensive, right? Being open. Um, the other day, somebody was trying to get me to eat octopus. And it was like the tentacles and all that. And I just had to give him a firm no. <laughs> Not, I'll, I'm usually like, well, I'll think about it. I just, no. I, I don't do that. That's one thing I'm closed to. Now, I know some of you are going to come talk, you're going to come talk to me or email me after the service, and you're going to tell me how great it is, and you're going to miss the point of the message entirely because you think it's about octopus, and it's not. <laughs> I'm not going to. Here, if I'm on Survivor and I'm wasting away, maybe. Outside of that, I will find something else on the menu, right? But I'm closed to it. So you say you're missing a great, and I probably am, but here's the deal. We get closed to certain things. The only way you grow is you have to be what? You have to be open. You have to be open to the possibility. 
And when you're open, this is the key. New experiences and new ideas. Paul was brutally closed. I did this whole summer on Galatians for a very important reason. Religion likes closed systems. You learn all of this stuff and then you're done. You just repeat the same things over and over again. It's not the Christian tradition, actually. The tradition is actually continual growth. You're continually learning. Like it says in John 4, if God is spirit, we worship in spirit and in what? Truth. What does that mean? How do you... You can't... Spirit's not a box that you can observe from four sides. So you're growing. The other key is what I would call reflection. Maybe other words might work good for you. Reflection. Um, some people would call prayer. Some might think of it as meditations. But I'm going to use the word reflection. It's thinking about a couple of things. Taking time to think about yourself. Think about your growth. Think about how you're treating other people. What's the one thing little children have a hard time doing? Reflecting. Isn't it true? They don't reflect. Could you reflect on how you treated your brother yesterday? Uh, No, Mom. Pop-Tarts, please. Think about your... But reflection is this. I'm going to think about... I'm going to think about how I am, how I'm treating people, how I'm growing, what I'm learning. I'm going to think about the things that I've always been told. I'm going to think about the things that I've always been taught. I'm going to rethink about them. And what reflection does is it gives you pause in the busyness of life because... If you're always busy, always going, always producing, you're not reflecting. Think of it. Not as a law, as a you must or God's going to be mad at you, but think about the pattern of Sabbath. Or the modern day Christian version of Sunday. Where you stop. I mean, think about what are you guys doing here? You could be out making money right now. What are you doing, you idiots? You could be making money right now, right? All of a sudden you go, no, but this is actually, what? This is good for me. I need to reflect. I need to pause. I need to remember. You know what they're actually finding? They're finding that people that do this are actually more productive in the time that they do work. Why? Because some people don't reflect. And they chase their, their goals, become their gods. Their goals become their gods. And they don't grow. Maybe they grow financially or something, but they never grow. Listen to what Paul said at the end. He said, 1 Corinthians thirteen twelve, We see now but a poor reflection as in a mirror. So Paul, even the where now he said, I was a child, I thought like a child, now I'm an adult, but he goes, now I still only see as in a poor reflection in a mirror. 
Back then, it would have been a polished bronze, not a mirror like you and I know, where you got this vague idea. He said, but then, one day we will know fully. There's so much more to know, and there's so much more to grow. Reflection keeps you in the moment. Reflection starts to remove anxiety and worry about tomorrow. I'm worried about how this is going to work out. I'm afraid of this. Reflection starts to put away the problems of the past and lets you be fully connected to the moment that you're in right now. I've noticed this. Can I just say this real quick? I know some of you got places to go and you're... And I have red letters up here. It always happens every Sunday. Go. What? And I respect, I respect it. But here's the thing. Sometimes, this is what I've seen. People go tearing out of here or anywhere. I will just use here now because we're here. It's not trying to get you to stay at church longer. But people go tearing out of here and they don't have anywhere to go really. You just feel like I got to get on to the next thing. And you don't even have the next thing. I understand people have things and there's appointments, but have you noticed this pattern where we're not comfortable just absorbing the atmosphere that we're in, the people that are around us? We're always fighting to get to the next thing. Key to growing is this pause that lets you reflect.